welcome to the first episode of the Nudges for Social Good podcast from the Local Government Association. My name is Rian Gladman and I've been managing the Behavioural Insights programme here at the LGA for the past four years. And really what we're trying to achieve with this podcast is to demystify behavioural insights uh, and help busy local government officers and councillors to understand more about how they can actually use these tools and techniques um, to help deal with their biggest service challenges. So on each episode, we'll be talking to a local government officer or councillor who's actually undertaking behavioural insights projects within their own council so that you can learn from them and hopefully start to implement some of these projects in your own council. So I'm here today with Tim Pearce from the London Borough of Barking and Dagenham. Thanks for coming in, Tim. Great to see you. So Tim is um, an old friend of the programme, has worked with us from the very beginning. So it's great to have you in here today. And I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself and, and your career background. Okay, great. Yeah, so um, uh, I started life um, many moons ago um, as an economist in central government, but increasingly became interested in, I guess, what you'd call behavioural economics. So that's the intersection of um, economics with psychology. Um, and as a result of that, joined uh, the Behavioural Insights team, which um, was a part of uh, government but left to become a social purpose business um, where I headed up um, the local government team. Um, I did four years there working across all areas of um, local government services, doing consulting project projects. Um, and six months ago, I left, um, left the Behavioural Insights team to join the London Borough of Barking and Dagenham as their behavioural science lead. So doing kind of similar-ish stuff, but from the inside instead of um, from the outside. So welcome to local government. Great, thanks great very much. It's great here. to be here. Yeah. Great to have you here. Um, so I guess key question really to kick things off is if I was completely new to behavioural insights, I'm with, working in a busy council, I might have heard someone in the office talk about behavioural insights or they might have read you know, the nudge book or something. What exactly does it mean? What, what is behavioural insights? Yeah, that is a really good question, and I think there's you know um, you know confusion about it, and different people have different definitions. But I'll, I'll give you mine, and, and that is basically that um, a lot of uh, traditional government work is based on um, getting people to do stuff, um, but that is usually done with essentially carrots and sticks, right? So for stuff that we don't want people to do, we use sticks um, like taxes or fines or prison. Um, and for stuff that we do want people to do, like um, eating healthy or whatever, we, um, we offer carrots. Um, and so those things change our behaviour because they change our incentives to do something. Uh, behavioural insights is different to that. Um, it tries to change behaviour without changing people's incentives. Um, it draws on psychology and behavioural economics to do that. And a lot of it is focused on the environment in which a decision is taken. So... Um, as, a as a simple example, um, when you're asked a question, um, will make a difference to your answer, and also who asks you a question could, could make a difference. So thinking quite carefully about how decisions are made and in what context could also shape behaviour, um, and this is a sort of, um, can supplement the traditional kind of carrots and um, sticks approach. Okay, healthy eating and carrots, great <laughs> there analogy there, yeah. great analogy there, um, that worked really well. Okay, so could you give us an example of a, a specific behavioural insights project uh, that you've undertaken in your career so far, um, you know, what was the behaviour you wanted to change, 
uh, and what did you do and what was the impact? If you could talk us through that, that would be really helpful for our, for our council audience. Yeah, definitely. So um, there's been a, you know, a lot of um, work on the sort of quicker wins around sort of how to change letters on council tax. So I'll, I'll try and take um, an example that's a bit more um, complex than that to show you how it could be applied to, 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 to so in this case, criminal justice. Um, and it's a project I did while I was still at the Behavioural Insights team. Um, and we did it with um, Kent County Council, and it was part funded by the um, LGA as part of the Behavioural Insights programme. And um, uh, it was about domestic abuse. Um, and so the, the thing that the behaviour we wanted to change was to increase the uptake of domestic abuse support services, which was um, at that time um, just under 40% in Kent. And the focus was really on kind of standard risk victims, those are at the lower end, who were... They could be higher risk, but you know, police were not aware at that time, and so trying to trying to get them to take up that offer um, could could improve the uh, improve their safety. Um, now, our research suggested that take up was low partly because victims did not understand the process. So, the process is that after an incident occurs, um, victim support gives you a call two or three days afterwards, um, but unfortunately, that comes from an unknown number. Um, and the first thing that they say when you pick up the phone is they ask you to confirm your, your name. Um, that's for security, but obviously it, it puts a kind of barrier in place. Um, and although officers were kind of describing this at the, um, at the scene, um, a lot of people didn't realise this is exactly how it happened, and they also didn't realise the full services available from victim support. So they didn't understand the breadth of the offer, including stuff like financial advice or the offer of kind of like physical locks on your windows is a broad support that people d d didn't realise was there. I guess there's a really important um, other dimension there as well. You know, if you put yourself in the shoes of somebody who has been a victim of domestic violence um, and then, you know, 48 hours later, you're going to receive a call from a withheld number. How likely are you to pick up that call? I guess it's about understanding the that kind of what would drive that behaviour as well, isn't it? That's exactly right, and and I think this is the kind of interesting thing about about behavioural science because, um, as I mentioned, uh, uh, you know, police officers would sort of explain this process to victims, but if you have just been kind of assaulted or something, that is not the best time to intake information. Um, and so, even though that looks like a good process on paper, thinking carefully about how people actually take in information, make decisions, gives you a kind of a different answer to to what good might look like for that process. Um, and, and, and so hence we kind of focused on um, the environment in which that decision is taken. So thinking, well, is, is a sort of verbal briefing at the time um, good enough or could we be missing people um, with that? Yeah. And so what we decided to do is we kind of decided to design a small um, business card type um, uh, thing that could be left with the victim at the time, um, uh, which would both give the um, show the sort of benefits of the service, so give the the breadth of the victim support service. Um, it would make the process clear, um, but it would also show that people were already on that process. So it wasn't something they had to opt into. They'd already reported something to the police. They would be receiving a call and showing this sort of you know first step on this journey, we thought would help people to sort of go with it um, rather than think of it, thinking of it as a kind of like something they had to opt into or get, get um, additionally. Can I just ask there as well about how did you manage that kind of potential issue around the perpetrator potentially finding the business card? And obviously it's a sensitive 
issue just for other councils who'd be keen to you know take this project and roll it out yeah yeah so you know this was a you know an interesting project because because of that sort of safety um, concern and that has to be the first priority um so our 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 thinking on that and obviously our discussion with the police and, and the council was was very much around um, this would be a kind of, um, it would be clear that this was a, a kind of standard um, piece of information that was given out to everyone. So yeah. if you call um, uh, the, the police and it's, and it's a domestic incident, you would get this. And it would be clear if you'd looked at that, that that, that was the case. So it wasn't the case that someone had kind of reached out and asked for it, um, you know, um, uh, on a sort of personal basis. So, um, but also it was, you know, um, it was small, could be concealed. Um, it could be thrown away the instant they got it. Um, um, so we kind of wanted to give um, as much flexibility to the victim as, as possible. But yeah, safety was a big, a big um, concern. Um, should I talk about, about the impact? Yeah, that would be yeah, that would be great. That kind of impact evaluation and the results. Really, yeah. yeah. Okay. So um, uh, so again, measuring this was was um, was tricky because, again, in an ideal world, we wanted to do this as a randomised controlled trial. And what that means is that you basically take you know, all, the, all the victims of an incident in Kent over a time period and give half of them the cards and half of them not the cards. But we thought that would get too fiddly um, asking officers to try and remember to you know, give half the victims a card and half not. So we basically went for a, a kind of a staggered rollout approach where we, um, uh, every few weeks, um, a new station in Kent would start giving out um, the cards as standard. So there are 12 stations and over about, I think it was about a three month period, um, each one of those kind of like, st um, all the officers that responded to a, um, um, a domestic um, incident would, would hand, out, hand out these cards. And then the way we measured it was basically by looking at um, the response rates to the victim support call um, in those areas where uh, the cards were being handed out versus those that, that weren't. Um, and so, um, unfortunately, there were a couple of technical problems with the data set thing, you know, and these, these are common in, in kind of, you know, big analytical pieces of work. And in this case, we found that, unfortunately, in, in um, quite a few cases, the officer um, that um, had attended the, the scene was not listed and so we couldn't actually track back as to whether they'd given the card or not. Yeah. So we did lose um, a fair few of our um, kind of incidents, which was a shame. And that meant we were slightly um, underpowered. So we didn't have the statistical power to say um, that the results were, you know, at 95% confidence um, right. So, so we would need to do it at, at a bigger uh, scale, but but what we did see was kind of a, a di directionally positive result. So, it you know the, the numbers were positive. So the people that received the cards were um, six point three percent more likely to take the call and three point six percent more likely to accept the service. Um, so we think that's that's positive. It didn't hit statistical significance, but we, we you know we we made the case to do it um, uh, larger to to test that, um, and um, that those seem like small numbers and that that is sometimes a, um, a kind of criticism lodged at behavior insights but if if those are the case and if they were rolled out that would lead to kind of hundreds of lower risk victims taking up services that could um, protect them and, and potentially even um, sort of save their lives so um, given that it's a relatively cheap and straightforward 
um, uh, kind of way of doing things, um, we recommended that Kent did um, roll this out as standard. Can I ask to just bring you back to the directionally positive result? Mm. What do we mean by, you know, if I can just keep, keep this really simple, what do we kind of mean by that to yeah. explain that? No, it's a really good question and, and it's, it, you know, we want to be clear about this. So, so what I mean by that is we, we measured it and it looked, and, it, and basically what came back is that the people that got the cards were 6.3% more likely to take the call from victim support, i.e. Yeah. pick it up. And then, and also 3.6% more likely to actually take up a service once they'd spoken to victim support. Um, however, there is a chance that that is, that is down to pure chance, that through, you know, um, kind of randomness, that um, uh, that was higher um, um, because one of them had to be higher and that one was higher. Now, we don't think that's a, um, a high chance, but we can't kind of rule that out at um, what you'd call kind of conventional levels of, um, statistical significance, um, which is kind of like a one in twenty chance. So we think there's a, a you know, um, it would be a greater than one in twenty chance, and so we have to sort of be a bit more nuanced about those findings. Okay, okay. But in terms of you know the cost of intervention, the potential impact. Yeah. It's a good one to roll out and for it to encourage other areas to to look into. Yeah. So we so so basically our, our thinking on this was was there any evidence of a backfire or negative impacts? Um, and that was no. Um, was there high costs involved? Um, no. Um, do we have um, reason to be optimistic about it? Yes. And and so in discussion, you know, with um, um, the police and the RGA, you know, we we felt it was good enough basis to say. Keep doing it, and if possible, kind of you know um, measure and um, and and let's see what comes out of that. Okay, excellent. So obviously now that was when you were working at, with the Behavioural Insights team. Now you've recently arrived in Barking and Dagenham, um, and you know what are the Behavioural Insights projects that you are looking to work on in your in your current role at the council, and and if you could say a bit about which of them have the greatest potential. So what's your forward plan really for the work? Yeah, so. I mean, um, it's great to have joined a council. There's so many things that are going on that I could be involved in, and so that's always um, that's always a real pleasure, actually. And 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 there's lots of people that, that want to do this and are interested, and uh, so all that's fantastic. Um, unfortunately, there's only one of me, which means that at the moment, so <laughs> we haven't quite claimed you yet. No, so exactly. We're working on that, um, <laughs> but um, so so it is kind of limited what I can do, but. Um, I, th I guess there's a, there's a few um, kind of things I'm working on right now, which are things like in, in, uh, increasing um, health checks for the over 45s in, in the borough, um, improving school attendance, um, which again is kind of is interesting because it's quite quite nuanced. It's not just about kids banging off. There's all sorts of things around loneliness and social isolation and um, um, sort of mental health stuff. So really interesting issues around that. But also working with our social workers. And thinking about how our processes around things like assessments currently work, and can we kind of make them more behaviourally informed to support our professionals, um, and also um, you know improve our services for for the families that we work with. Um, so that's a kind of a, a bit of a, a dip into it. So in terms of where I think um, impact could be greatest, um, I'm not sure is the honest answer um, I think one of the areas I'm really excited about and to be, and I'm doing quite a bit on at the moment is around debt um, so it's quite a significant issue in Barking Dagenham so you know people in kind of high cost credit or arrears or, or whatever it is and that basically is driving 
quite a lot of the um, quite a bit of the kind of wider poor outcomes you might see. You know, people coming to our housing service, or people coming uh, or requiring social care, and so it's a, it's an area of focus for the council. Um, and so we're taking a kind of a, a behavioural approach. To this I'm particularly interested in how behavioural science can do the prevention side of things, and so that's obviously the key to demand management and. Um, and I think Behavioural Insights is, is well-placed to do that. So what we're currently doing is taking data from our Revs and Bend service um, about people that are falling into council tax arrears um, or falling behind with their, with their rent for their social housing um, and using that as a kind of an indicator of, of, of people getting into financial difficulties. And then um, uh, for those that are deemed most at risk, we basically send them a, a text um, and the idea here is not to not to sound too much like a council, but just to um, just to say very simply, um, you know, hello. We noticed you fell into um, uh, rent arrears. Uh, we we have a, a housing. Uh, we have a service called the um, Homes and Money Hub, which offers free financial um, advice. Just um, text us back with um, the uh, the number one if you would like a call back. So making it really easy for people to engage, you know, the people maybe having, you know, sort of complex situations. We just want to get to them as quickly as possible before these kinds of things um, spiral out of control. And so is it literally that kind of high level wording of that's the type of wording that you use in the text is literally that it's clear? Pretty much that. that yeah. So, okay. it's, so we want to be crystal clear, plain English, sound kind of basically quite friendly and like an offer of support. Yeah. Um, it also comes from our Homes and Money Hub, which is um, which is quite trusted um, uh, and seen as separate to the council. Okay, so, so there's that brand recognition of that service in the community. Exactly. Okay. So it's not high with the council, and we need our you know we need you to pay your rent or pay your council tax. It's high with the Homes and Money Hub, and we offer free financial um, advice. Um, and so you know, obviously, we can't text um, lots and lots of people that, and, and we probably wouldn't want to because some people dip it in and out of um, the council tax debt, and, and that's part of, of, of life. But um, but for the for the um, for the small amount of people we have texted, we've got about a fifty percent response rate, which is um, really positive. We had been trying this with it's letters good. before, yeah, it's really good, yeah, yeah. Um, and the letters had, had got very very few responses, and. Um, uh, and and what's nice as well is that the, the the issues that people have come in with have been you know things that we could help them with. So people falling into arrears who weren't aware they were eligible for housing benefit, you know, really nice, quick things that you can get people straight straight sorted out, get them outdoor, and you know, um, can get on with their lives basically. So I feel like that you know um, that offers great um, potential, and uh, I'd like to start thinking about where you know how we could build on that. Uh, you know, what does a what does a revs and bends service look like that that sort of you know screens people out who are vulnerable and gives them a different pathway to to others i'm you know that's still very much early early thinking but i think it could have quite a big impact for people who are financially vulnerable so um a lot of councils across the country are looking at using behavioral insights techniques to manage demand into their services so i guess with this one there is a concern that you know if you text a lot of people you're going to get huge demand back into your service yeah, and that's that's an issue isn't it across council so Absolutely. could you just expand a bit more around around that managed demand yeah potential I think, issue no that's absolutely right and I think it's so it's a it's very much a proposition to do to kind of like you know move demand upstream so there, there is a little bit of 
um, reaching out to people and ask them to come in, which may sound like the opposite of what you want to do if you're managing demand, but, but is actually essential, basically, for, to tackle some of these more acute issues. So, um, we, you know, the, the, the Barking and Dagenham have a, a really good um, insight hub, and so we use the, um, you know, the data that they hold to, to work out who we think is, as I say, high risk. And that can be based on a, on a, on a range of um, data sources. So we're only texting those people who we think are most likely to require our help. Now, we could text more and we'd probably be able to help more people. But it's sort of we'd also be texting people that we couldn't help. So there's that sort of real cutoff. And I think um, what we were quite keen to do is, like, let's just start doing something. And, and yeah. we're literally talking about five to ten texts a week. Let's just start doing this, see what we're thinking, and then work out, you know, see what how effective this is and then see if we want to expand it but it was very much like let's start this small and let's start this on the people we most likely think need help and this and you know will end up in a, a reduction demand and then let's evaluate it and let's see if we if we want to expand it and think that will you know either um, reduce demand even more or if we'll get kind of diminishing returns yeah I really like that idea that, you know picking up what you said about just start something and actually let's try something um, but let the insight lead you to where actually our resources at the council can be best used and best focused. Yeah. But that starts. Is that something you would suggest to other councils? Start small. Yeah. Start something. A hundred percent. So I think one of the things that is is great about um, behavioural insights is that you can just start something small. You know, be it a change in one sentence in one letter. It's yeah. as simple as that. Just just do it. You know, obviously, go through the right um, channels. Don't go too outrageous without checking it. But do something, get it out there, do what you can to measure it, um, and that can be, you know, ideally quantitative. Um, but again, a lot of this data is collected already, so you just need to take, you know, even if it's a before and after, or even if it's sort of some qualitative work to understand how service users or staff are, are feeling about it. Get it measured, and then you have something to go back to the organisation with to say, we did this. It showed this, we want to do more of it, or we think we should do it over there. Yeah, that's really interesting. Really interesting and great advice, I think, to councils, um, you know, just to crack on and try something. Um, so, obviously, that's the kind of work programme you've got coming up at Barking and Dagenham, which sounds really exciting. Uh, lots to be done. Um, <laughs> so, in terms of, I guess, because you've, you've been at the Behavioural Insights team, now you're looking at things from Barking and Dagenham, it'd be really interesting to get your thoughts around where do you see behavioural insights going for local government in the future? What kind of trends can you see on the horizon? Um, where could we be going with this? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there is really big potential, actually. And I think, I think the kind of thing we might need to kind of develop is, uh, you know, too, too many projects are focused on very one very small part of the system. And that's an obvious, that's, you know, that's where it has to start. It always has to start in, in one part of the system. But, you know, behaviourism can have big impacts, but, but some of the impacts can also be more marginal. And I think what I, where I think the biggest opportunities are is to look across a whole pathway um, and, and put in several behavioural insights type um, changes and seeing what the overall impact of that is. So, for example, if we take debt, you know, thinking about how are we identifying people in the first place? How are we reaching out to them? Um, what are the other touch points we could be using? Um, you know, when they do come in, how do, we, how do we work with them? How do we help them stay out of debt? And putting small um, you know, nudges, as they're called, across, you know, all along that 
um, pathway, I think even if each one of them only has a 5% impact, could lead to quite a significant impact overall. And um, I think that's one of the real delights of doing this in local government. There's, there's so many whole pathways that are you know, totally council-run or, or run with very close partners that it really offers a chance to, to go kind of, kind of a behavioural insights kind of across a system, which could be really impactful. And, and you can do one at a time, and etc. So it still has that kind of incremental and easy to do approach, but just just look, you know, it's just worth looking beyond a single point and, and going a bit broader than that. I love that. I think that's fantastic. Like look through the whole end to end service, the whole customer journey through our services. So so you'd almost put several of these interventions in place, and then would you sort of measure at the start and then measure at the end, do it that way, or you could still measure those interventions or yeah, do it either way. Yeah, yeah. I, it's a good. It's a good question. It kind of depends on the system you're working on. I, I, you know, measurement is is important, but but it's also it mustn't sort of dominate everything else. And that's the that's the thing that has been difficult. Um, um, you know, for me personally, I'm always keen to measure, but you must be careful that it's sort of proportional and that it doesn't sort of the ta- the tail doesn't start wagging the dog. So so I'd always say definitely do measure, but then look at the system you're in and look at where data is already collected and then be kind of pragmatic about what that means about where it is possible to measure. And so, yeah, I mean, it would be fantastic if at each different point you could you could measure. And, and in many systems that will be possible because you just, this is just stuff that is collected. So it's, it's a great place to be doing this. Other, other, in other areas, it'll be harder. And, and then it's just a case of, you know, yeah, sort of a beginning to end type thing and, and seeing if, if it looks like there's impact. But even kind of small amounts of, you know, um, measurement, as long as it's um, reasonably robust, can make a, a strong case um, for doing more of it, or can tell you where um, where things are not working so well and where things need to change. And that's an important, you know, part of this to be, um, you know, iterative and, and ready to to adapt. Yeah, I think that's really important to look at, you know, if we do a small nudge in one part of a very complex system, the rest of the system may kind of circumvent our nudge and, and negate the nudge, really. So I think it's looking at it in the whole system yeah. um, and, and moving on, because we have done these interventions in specific parts, haven't we? Mm-hmm. But actually, can in the future, can we, as, as a local government sector, start to look throughout a whole service, understand what's driving the behaviour across that whole service? It's not going to be easy, but I, do, I, I really think it's a good ambition to have to ensure that these interventions are actually complementing each other rather than maybe working against the system yeah. that and, they operate within. And that's exactly right. And, that, and that's that's the opportunity because if you can put, go upstream, then even it doesn't have to be huge holistic interventions that change behaviour. If you go upstream, small interventions like signing someone up for housing benefit, making an appointment with them at the Citizens Advice Bureau can actually set them on a different path. Um, and, and again, that's one of the things I found really exciting about working local government. And you know, there's so much knowledge in the services about where demand is coming from that you know you can. That's already helping you understand where to start looking for potentially thinking about behavioural insights. That's great. I mean, there's some key points that have come out of our conversation for listeners already around you know start something, start small, and then also moving on to looking at you know interventions across the whole service. Um, not to let measurement take over everything. Yep. I think it's a really key point, yep. but um, yeah, they're, they're really interesting points to take away from you there, but it'd be useful to get your kind of, your top tips really for a council who's listening to this, thinking, God, where do I start? 
I just need like four or five key top tips um, to leave listeners with so that they can actually start something, as you say. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, as I mentioned, one of the nice things about local government is so much of it is applicable and so many services and they all drawn up. So, so the first thing is to sort of, um, you know, be picky, I'd say. The, the, there are some areas that it's going to be much easier to do this stuff in than others. And, and um, so, so think carefully about where, where you start and, and do that without alienating key people, of course. Um, but that will you yeah, know, make your yeah, life easy. Yeah, important, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, one of those could be, for example, like to what extent is it a priority as a council? Because if you start, you know, you want kind of the wind behind you, you want it to be an, an area that people are going to be interested in. And, and if you do get a good result, that, um, that, that'll be something that people pay attention to. So a priority for the council as a whole it would, be, would be great. Um, think carefully about if it really is a, um, a kind of behavioural type problem. So think carefully, like, is there an identifiable group of people and you know, there's a clear behaviour that it would be realistic to change. That, th- those are some key things um, to consider because sometimes it can be hard to reach people or hard to know which people are doing which things. Um, but you know, if you've got a clear target group and you know what you want to change about them, that would be fantastic. Um, we've already talked about it, but like, start testing quickly. Uh, for a start, there's lots of... Um, evidence out there about what works, including on the LGA website. There's, you know, several things that have been done um, before and that have worked, but, you know, but beyond that as well. So already, like, changes to letters, um, you know, BIT and the LGA did a top tips on how to, to write letters about, uh, about income. So just, just start somewhere, test it quickly, get going, show, show people the, you know, the agileness of the, of the approach and that it can get results. Um, and finally, yeah, do try and do some measurement. It, do not do not let it rule everything. But showing that um, the impact of this is an important part of um, showing the value. And and so and and as I say, a lot of this data is collected already. So um, have that in the back of your mind as you're thinking, where should I do this? How should I do this? Tim, that's fantastic. Thank you very much for your time today. Tim Pierce from um, London Borough of Barking and Dagenham. Uh, appreciate you coming in to share your thoughts and Great. wish you all the best with your future projects. And we'll have to get you back along uh, in six yeah. months' time or so to, to report back on, on how those projects have fared so that we can continue to share that with local government. That's Love fantastic. to, yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So um, as we mentioned, there there is um, further resources on the projects that, that Tim has mentioned today, particularly the Kent one. We've got all the report there um, from that project. We've got the business card that, that you can download for free and use. Um, so if you literally go to www.local.gov.uk and search for behavioural insights on the search function of the, the homepage there, all of our resources are there and they're all free um, to download and use. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please do pass it on to your colleagues and friends and spread the word. And again, if you would like to feature any work that your council is undertaking, we'd love to hear from you. So thanks for listening. And until next time, bye now. Bye.